When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert, here today with my esteemed and astonishing colleague, Dr. Millicent Ravello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I but like you as- are astonishing. I like astonishing. I know. You are. Better than being astonished. <laughs> exactly. I'll take it. Um, we have lots to talk about today, so we got to dive right into these breast implants. Yes. Today, we are talking about breast implants and the variety of sizes and shapes and thickness and all sorts of implants type properties. There are lots of options today with medical devices. When I was coming up as a lad before electricity, Mm. the implant choices were like (laughs) A or B, and that was it. And you put them in, and they either looked good or they didn't. That was that. When I'm bigger, I'm smaller. That's That's what you get. (laughs) You could get this size, that size, and it was over. But now we have different levels of cohesive gel. There's highly cohesive. There's like the gummy bears. There's all kinds of different properties to the gels there's different properties in shape sizes the amount of fill of the shell so let's get right into it tell me about your approach you you are a big time breast surgeon correct um yeah we'll go with that you are i'm I'm into that no you definitely are because i mean the amount of breast surgery that you do is frightening to me. That is true. There is a lot of there is a lot of (laughs) breast surgery it's like it just it's like a breast all day it is a a snowball down a very large mountain of breast surgery for you. And, sure. you. and you make it look great. So in terms of the implants that you use, you have so many different choices because you do breast reconstruction. You do breast augmentation for right. just people that just want beautiful breasts. You do augmastopexies, which is an augmentation with a lift, one of the more difficult operations in plastic surgery. And then you do revision breast surgery very frequently. A lot. I do a lot of that. And so having a whole breadth of a breast implant kind of practice, I use a wide variety of implants. And I feel for my patients who come in and they are just overwhelmed by everything that they've seen on social media, the Google rabbit holes that they've gone down about different kinds of implants. And they come in and they're telling me, well, I would think I want a high profile, highly cohesive, gummy bear, moderate plus. You know, like they're saying the words and they think they know what it means. And I get it because there's just so much information out there. There's tons. And it comes at you big. Big time. And it's really hard to just, A, distill the information into what it means and number two know which one is right for you like that's where being the plastic surgeon comes in so let's talk about the implants themselves and then let's talk about when we use each kind so the implants themselves there are three major implant companies there's mentor allergan and Sientra, and whichever one your plastic surgeon uses that's what they use not a big deal implant companies all have a little bit different tweaks, but can I just do a little sunshine less... act thing here? Yes, do your sunshine so, act. So we do not 
have any connection to these implant we companies. We are not sponsored by them. We we don't have we don't play favorites. We do choose certain companies. Right. I use breast implants from all three companies, depending on the situation. Just to be very clear, and I use mine from two of the companies. So. Ooh, companies. Really? Who'd, who'd you spurn? Tell me. See, I'm not, not going to get into that. No. Dish. This is where you dish. You got a dish. What happened? I, I use, not a good I dinner at one of these meetings? Or? No, I use Allegan and Sientra. So that's just what I kind of you know use in my training. There you go, I've mentor. Used. There's your challenge. That's yeah. the breast implant Sorry. challenge right there. Sorry. So th- those are the three companies, Allergan, Sientra, and Mentor. Um, and they all have sort of different implants, but more or less they're, they're very similar. And so the implants themselves can be smooth or textured. And what that refers to is the coating of the outside of the implant. So bear in mind, we are talking about silicone implants here. There are saline implants that have a silicone outer shell, and they're filled on the inside with saline, with water. That's a topic for a different yeah, day. we're not talking about that. Which we will never talk yeah, about. Cause, yes, because, <laughs> sure. Sorry. I just, I don't use saline implants. I'm sorry. Yeah. That, that went away with the end of the moratorium. Topic for another day. Yes. Today, we're talking about the silicone implants, right. which are silicone on the outside, silicone shells, silicone on the inside. and so Obviously, different versions of the polymer. Different versions. And so when we're saying that we have smooth implants, like my purple fingers, <laughs> I was marking <laughs> this a patient. This is a surgical marking pen, This is a surgical marking pen. That's the I way it works. I was not wearing a glove. Um, the outside is smooth. And the reason that's important is because texture devices do have an association with a very, very, very rare, but very real cancer called ALCL. It's a type of lymphoma. This is a texture device. And you can see the difference. Dr. Calvert, if you'll hold this, this is a texture device. This is a smooth device. You can see that the texture has a kind of Velcro-y kind of texture. It's like speckled all over. And it's designed that way because it's used for certain reasons to kind of stick and stay where you put it. That's a whole other topic as well. But it's the textures that have been associated with the lymphoma. There was one brand, Allergan, that had all of their texture devices recalled. For that reason, I just don't use textures. I don't think that there's a reason to use them. I use smooths and I use round. Round means that it is a round implant as opposed to being an anatomic or a shaped implant, which kind of has what they said was a natural shape to it, where it kind of had this like scoopy teardrop. A natural alien? They they, they said it was natural where there was less volume up top, more on the bottom. I hate those implants. I think they look ugly. I don't think they look like natural breasts. They're awful. They're awful. I take them out all the time. I take them out. Let me tell you a little story about that. I had one of the guys who was the the guy for the anatomic implants comes to one of our societies, which will remain nameless, and gives like the paid sponsored lecture about using these anatomically shaped implants. And literally goes through probably 50 cases, you know, through the hour while we're all eating our dinner, yeah. which was lovely. And uh, at the end of it, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I like wanted to raise my hand and say like, those aren't good looking breasts. They're not. Right? They're not, not good looking and, and breasts. And I didn't say anything, but I'm like, do you not know what like good looking breasts are? Because those aren't it. Those look really freaky and strange. They're weird. They're tall. They're weird. They have a funny shape. They're, they don't look like they are marketed to look. 
And because they have a specific shape to them, they really have to stay in the position that they're put. And I have seen them flip upside down. So now they're in the wrong position. So theoretically, that's why they're textured so that they do have that kind of Velcro stickiness and they don't flip around. And so that's the number two reason I don't use them. Number one, I think they look ugly. Number two, they are textured and I just don't use textured. I so, just don't enjoy the way they look. They, I, they just are not cute. They're not cute. And and it is like, that is the, if you're going to have breast augmentation, you want them to look great. That's the whole point, isn't it? Yeah. So, <laughs> so we may have offended everyone out there that has there anatomic and, implants. And, and boom. Apologies. Sorry. Sorry. Apologize. <laughs> and maybe they are good looking on you, but they aren't. They just, I, I don't like them. That's just me. It's not my style. Not my style. Not my style. Okay. So, so now here we are. So now we are down to smooth, round silicone implants. This is where it starts to get tricky because you can have implants in all different kinds of profile. Let's start with the profiles. So a profile is how much that implant sticks off of the chest wall. Right. So you can have a low profile, which I have no representation for because i don't ever use low profile implants they look a lot like uh, they look like pancakes <laughs> smoking a pancake and so Not why good. would you pay for that yeah they are super flat yeah so yeah this I don't, is pretty uh, flat so this is a moderate this is a moderate so depending on the implant companies they can be called a little bit different things allergan has a low low plus moderate high Sientra has a low moderate moderate plus and high so there's a range but in general this is going to be a moderate profile implant. Dr. Calvert, will you please hold that implant? This is a... That's high profile. High profile implant by the same company. So you can see how much higher that implant sticks off of the chest wall, if this is the chest wall here. And so that's going to change the sort of appearance or the augmented appearance of the breast. If you use a more moderate profile implant, that's going to give you a more natural shape with volume. So that's for the person that really doesn't want people to know that they've had an augmentation but still look really great and still have that upper pole volume but not in a way that's particularly noticeable or enhanced. That being said, you can usually still tell that they're augmented. They're just not super augmented. Right, and I, and I find that moderate plus are also good with patients who have some breast tissue. Yes, because if you put in a high profile in a patient that already has like C-cup, D-cup breast, they can get very large and very augmented looking. Yeah, and, very, and just the over-projection is a little it's, it's bit funky. Much. Yeah, it's, it's a little too much. much. But the moderate pluses do work well for people that have like B-C-cup breast. Yeah. Like, you know, I just want a little more, you know, more upper pole, a little top. more, a little more, you know, just right. I want it to be a little vavoom, you know, you yeah. want to get that extra volume. A moderate plus implant is great. Is, is great for that. It's great for that. And then the high profile is going to give you that very full, enhanced look. No, that's not to be confused. People are like, oh, I don't want to look like I'm, you know, super augmented. I don't want to be super obvious. I don't want them up to my chin. It's not going to be that because you have room to play with the sizes and it does depend on your you know, individual breast volume, but the high profile is definitely going to be a noticeably augmented breast, but it can still look, like we've said, naturally augmented. There can still be yeah. a softness to it, and they, I think they look really pretty. That's my style. I tend to use high profile in general, unless I have a patient that specifically says I want a more natural look. Yeah, and I think the other part of that too is just, you know, you don't want, you know, you, 
Nobody wants natural looking breasts. <laughs> Just, I beg to are. differ. I, I had a case this week where that was the <laughs> literally specific request. <laughs> well, not if they're asking for breast implants. I this mean, was a breast implant case. <laughs> they want it to look natural? Yes. I mean, yes. the whole point is for them to look, you know, really beautiful and full and gorgeous and all that stuff. So the way that I see that, and maybe maybe your patient has a different idea of what, what it should look like, but they want the volume so that it looks, you know, pretty and clothes without clothes whatever yeah. they want it to look nice kind of at all times possible yes. which isn't which by the way isn't always possible you know depending on the the natural breast that we are working with True. there are there are anatomic issues that we can overcome and some that we cannot Right. And that's usually for the patients that have really loose skin or have a lot of breast tissue at baseline. Those implants are never going to sit as high as we would like. There's always going to be some droppage, but they can definitely look better and get some more volume where you want it. So that that's the profile. And the, and the other thing that we do with the profiles is it allows us to sort of, or I'm, I don't know, maybe how you play with it, but for someone that maybe um, has a smaller chest or a broader chest, I have room to kind of change how much volume I'm putting in for any given dimension. So if someone really wants that cleavage, but they have a broad chest, I can put in a moderate or a moderate plus implant because it's wider, but it still gives me volume. If I try to put in the same amount of volume in a high profile implant, it wouldn't meet in the middle. It'd be, it, the base diameter here is just, it would be too small. Yeah. I mean, that. this is where, once again, and we say this with almost any operation we talk about, the battle is won or lost in the exam room at the consultation when you assess the chest, the chest wall, the breast base with the quality of the breast tissue, and the full exam and analysis leads to the plan that is going to give you a great result. Absolutely. You have to make the right choice of device based on that consultation. It is not an on-the-fly choice in the operating room. No, it definitely is not. And you need to know what it is the patient's looking for. Like the case that I referenced I had this week, I had seen her for a consult. We'd done a pre-op. Like I'd seen her a couple times. And she was she always said, I do want a more natural-looking breast. She had very deflated, A-cup breast, mostly skin. She needed an implant to get some volume, but she really did not want to have a lot of upper pole volume. She just wanted to kind of look like she did before she started breastfeeding. And... I had an idea in my head of what I kind of thought that would look like and what would look really pretty for her. But then she showed me the photos of breasts that she really liked and that she wanted. And what she was showing me was actually natural B-cut breasts. She's like, this is what I want it to look like. With no implants. With no implants. So that, <laughs> it, that's where it got a little tricky because I, I saw the look she wanted. Yeah. And so then my job on my end was to achieve that with an implant. So that's a whole nother. You needed a magic wand is what you needed. We made it work. <laughs> I'm sure you did. I mean, yeah. it, it is hard, though. The, when you're putting in an implant, it's hard for it to look, quote unquote, natural. Natural. So let's talk about cohesivity. Cohesivity. <laughs> is it cohesivity? Cohesivity. Or cohesivity. Cohesivity. What is no, it? No. Whatever you're saying is just no. <laughs> no? No, that's not it. Okay. Cohesivity. So what that refers to is literally how cohesive the gel is on the inside of the implant. So cohesive is sort of just how sticky it is. And the actual scientific-ish explanation is how cross-linked is this silicone? How right. much is going on inside to keep the gel together? Right, cohesivity. Co you got it. See, Look got at it. you. Awesome. 
Yeah, old dog new tricks. <laughs> I'm what you. about that? So, little history lesson. Back in the day, silicone implants, we're talking like in the 70s, 80s, early 90s, silicone implants were extremely runny, I think would be the best way of putting it. They were called low bleed implants. That's what they called them. Because they bled. So they would have a silicone shell, but the silicone on the inside was runny. It was like an egg yolk. Like it, and it would make it to the outside. And it would make it to the outside because the shells weren't as strong. They were more prone to breaking and rupture. And when those implants ruptured, that silicone gel would literally just bleed into the breast, into the breast tissue, and it's a mess. We all have those patients that have had implants since the 80s, and they come in with ruptured implants, and you just you know it's going to be a mess in there because you get in there and you're just scooping out silicone from the breast for days and it's sticky and it's gooey and it's everywhere and it's a, it's a mess. It's just gross. Guess what I'm doing on Friday? An old ruptured implant. <laughs> totally so, am. Guess what Dr. Calvert's doing on Friday? I am totally doing that exact case. <laughs> you want to be scooping out. you just out. made me go like, oh boy. <laughs> I know it's coming. Yeah, it's it, it's it, the truth. It's well, you know, we've all it, done it. It's there. And so those were old implants, and that's what kind of started giving silicone implants a bad rap because this silicone would leak into the breast, then it would travel to the lymph nodes, and it just yep. it would cause problems. Then there's a whole host of issues with silicone implants are pulled off the market for a while. More studies were done, and then they you know got reintroduced with FDA clearance. And the implants that came out after that ban are called like sort of newer generation silicone implants. This is probably like 2007-ish was when they came back on the market. And every silicone company has had newer generation of implants. Um, I think we're at the fifth generation of implants now. But each one of them gets a little bit better in terms of how cohesive their gel is. So now the silicone gel that's in these implants, regardless of the company, the gel is more cohesive, meaning that if you were to cut into that implant or if you were to have a ruptured implant, that gel is not going to bleed everywhere like it used to. It's going to sort of stay contained in one place. And the older implants, probably 2007 to 2012, a little less cohesive, but I think any implant placed after 2014 or so is probably going to have a fairly high cohesivity. Now, do do you have uh, something you want to show us? I do. Uh, I know you want to do that. I do. I have a show and tell. Before we get to that, I want to explain one more thing. Go. I'm, I'm here. I I'm just. I know you're, I'm, you're on a roll. I know you're excited I, I, about my show I'm and tell. I'm standing back. I'm, I'm very excited about it. The show and tell is going to be pretty exciting. <laughs> so the implant companies um, have varying degrees of cohesivity. And it can be from their lowest end for the allergen implants. That's sort of called their responsive line. Those are still considered cohesive implants, but they're less cross-linked. They're a little softer. And then they have a soft touch, which is their mid-range. And then they have their actual implant that they call cohesive. That's their cohesive brand. And that is a very, not hard, but cohesive structure. But it definitely feels firmer yeah. than the responsive or the soft touch. And I really only use those in my reconstruction patients. I just need a little bit more uh, oomph to their reconstruction because I don't have anything. But those are heavy implants. Even in the reconstruction patients, I'm kind of moving away from them because they're just too heavy. The soft touch is a nice mid-range that I use pretty much across the board if I'm using an allergen implant. Sientra has a similar set. Um, they don't call it... Um, the same names, but they have different ranges. They have the HSC and the HSC Plus. The HSC Plus being a little more cohesive than the HSC. And 
that's sort of just dealer's choice with surgeon preference in terms of what they use. Now, it men- is. mentor is different. So, mentor doesn't go by levels of cohesivity. They didn't really. They don't really cross-link their gels. What they do is they overfill their implants so that they can get a similar aesthetic appearance in terms of having less rippling, but they don't have the same level of cohesivity that the Allergan and Sientra implants do. They're just sort of like coming at the problem from a different different angle. So Mentor's solution to the cohesive problem is to overfill their implant. This is an overfilled implant. That's no, so this is, these are both Mentor implants. This one's obviously a lot older. And as you can see, it's, you know, it's soft and it's, it's less projected as opposed to this one, which is clearly firmer and has much more projection and much less rippling. Rippling are these sort of right. dimples and bulges in the implants. You can see it too when you kind of hang when it When you there. hang it up like that. Yeah. So that's, that's Mentor's way of, of coming at the cohesive issue. And people always come in and say, well, I want to get gummy bear implants. My friend has gummy bears. I heard about gummy bears. I want gummy bear implants. And they just sound delicious. I think because people just want to say they have gummy bear implants. They love gummy why bears. Why would you not want to have gummy bear breasts? Like That sounds really fun. What gummy bear refers to <laughs> is the name brand Allergan. Allergan trademarked the term gummy bear implant and it refers specifically to that super high cohesive implant Um, and that's really the only thing it refers to the implants that I was saying are kind of heavy that I don't use too much outside of reconstruction that is technically what the gummy bear implant is but now the term gummy bear has just come to mean really any implant that's of a newer generation that has that more cohesive gel structure to it but you know what they feel like to me Mm. When I was a kid, we had a toy called Stretch Armstrong. Mm. And my brother and I would we'd grab one arm. Each guy <laughs> would grab one arm and you'd pull it as hard as you could. And you would just tr- stretch it out as far as you could, no matter how tr- – you couldn't break this thing. But it was very rubbery and firm. and But it was soft enough that you could stretch it, right? Right. I find that the gummy bear implants feel like Stretch Armstrong. Very, very much so. Not, not inside of you. Not like the patients don't aren't going to feel like they're a Stretch Armstrong. But, but they you, are. They're like rubbery, and and I'm not, you know. But if you play with them outside of the breast like this, yes, there's a little Stretch Armstrong. Yeah, it's feel a little weird, it. you know. And that's the thing. Once they go in the body, they when they heat up, I think that, and they get the room to body temperature, um, then I think they do. They do loosen, they, they loosen out. They get softened. Yeah. They flip. Which I they have, I have patients that the, the those flipping dang, implants. <laughs> I was going to say the flipping implant, <laughs> but you can substitute your other F word in there if you'd like to. The flipping implants flip, yeah. and the front goes against the chest wall, right. and then the backside, which is flat, because it is like Stretch Armstrong, and now it's a deformity. Right. So if so you think like so, this is how an implant is supposed to sit in the breast, right, where you have a domed surface, but if you turn it upside down, now it's flat. And so this is on the outside now yeah, instead of this. this. So this is a problem with heavier implants, it is. which is another reason I'm moving more away from the cohesives, even in my recon patients, because yes, I have problems with them flipping. Flip. And certainly even in the lower cohesivity implant range, the larger the implant, the higher chances of it flipping. And it's just, it's a gravity thing. You know, the larger the implant, the higher gravity works on it. They bend over, they move around. And it flips. It, and it's also, it's a problem, especially in larger breasted patients in general. They just seem to have a higher chance of things flipping. Can you flip them back? Have you been able to do that? On an occasion, and I would say maybe one out of every 20 times, I might be able to get it to flip back by manipulating it in the office. 
the thing is sometimes they flip again yeah. or I can't unflip them in the office and then it's a trip back to the OR. Yeah, and that's so, what I have right now. I've got it's one. It's a pain. Got. Yeah, it's a pain. I don't know what to tell her except, you know. Either live with it. The OR. Or, yeah, live with it or we got to fix or, it. Or fix it, it in the OR. It drives me nuts that that thing flipped. Yeah. So let's do our little science experiment. All right. All right, doctor, I'm going to hand this to you. All right, let's go. I'll, will you explain what I'm doing, please? Well, I'll, I'll hold it while you can explain. I'll, I'll be your I'll be your mic holder. So, we have here a highly cohesive gummy bear, if you will, implant, and we are going to see what happens when we cut into it. So, say for some reason you have a gummy bear implant and it ruptures. Maybe there's trauma to the breast or something happens, and you now have a crack in the shell of your implant. This is what it's going to look like. Or let's say somebody takes a scalpel or to it. Or someone takes a scalpel to your implants. <laughs> that sounds cool. That sounds very, very rough. All right. Like a rough night in downtown LA. There it is. There it is, folks. So we're coming apart here. Yeah, but you can see there's absolutely it's, no bleed whatsoever. Yeah. It is just like... It's Stretch Armstrong. It is. It looks like, like a rubber implant. It's very different. And that that's back in the day, if you did that, it would be, be it would run. Egg yolk city. Yeah. So it's like over easy compared to like over what is it? Firm, over medium, over Yeah, so what's, let's the, see. what's the fall end of Over egg? Easy. Over easy and then over Over hard. Over hard. Yeah. Yeah. So over easy versus over hard. So this is a cohesive gummy bear implant. I mean you can see why they call it gummy bear, right? Because it's like the inside of a gummy bear. And your implant would never, ever break like this in your body. At most, you may have a little crack in the shell. So this just doesn't go anywhere. Even if I push it, even if I mash on yeah, it. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't go anywhere. So it just stays contained in its little shell. So this is what would happen to just about any implant on the market today. That being said. Very, very convincing. Because right? it, it is. I mean, like. And we we'll do a little uh, video for that for the uh, for the gram and all that with our uh, with this little demo that we did because it really is a very unique characteristic of these implants because people are like what if they rupture I was like they rupture right. they stay right where they are right they it don't does run not anywhere go anywhere yeah now that being said so the implants I think almost every implant company out there right now has 20-year warranties against rupture. That's how long the implant companies believe these implants should last right. for before they're even concerned about them possibly rupturing. So back in the day, the FDA recommended that, well, not the FDA, but it was a recommendation that you get your implants swapped out every 10 years yes. because at 10 years, these older implants were at a higher risk of rupture. And like we talked about, when they rupture, it was a big, giant mess. So the thought was swap them out before they start to rupture. And so that idea has permeated, and I get patients coming in all the time saying, well, I'm at 11 years, I need to swap out my implants. Probably not. Not if they were put in, you know, and you're doing fine. It ain't broke, don't fix it. They ain't broke, don't fix it. Because... Like I said, if they're put in after 2000, I don't know, 14, 15, 16, they do have these 20-year warranties. So you have a good 20 years on them. And so coming back to what the FDA recommends, they have outdated recommendations that say implants should be imaged five years after placement and then every three years thereafter to assess for rupture. And you can do that with an MRI or an ultrasound. But these have 20-year warranties against rupture. And even if they do rupture, say you have an aberrant implant that ruptures, it's not going anywhere. You could live with a ruptured implant of a newer generation 
for years and it would not cause you any problems because that silicone is not going to go anywhere no and, and many people with the older generations of implants have lived with them ruptured for years on end and it's not an issue because they're contained within the capsule the tissue that forms normally around, around these it. implants except except one good reason to know if you have a ruptured implant this might be an argument for some screening is that if you have a ruptured implant and you go in for your mammogram, you can take that silicone gel that is contained within the capsule and the force of the mammogram can push that outside of the capsule yes, into the breast tissue. That is true. And I have definitely seen that. Mammograms are safe with implants. Mammograms can be done with implants. Breast cancer imaging is not affected with implants. But... Older generations, I do think mammograms have ruptured them. And I think if it is already ruptured, mammograms have forced the gel outside of the capsule into the breast tissue. Not so much an issue with current implants, but certainly I see it with the older ones. I think you're right. I mean, I, uh, I agree with you on that. The mammograms are, you know, they're rough. They got to do the Eklund right. views. There's, a, there's ways to do it that they should not damage the implants, but the reality is they want to see the breast tissue and check right. for cancer, so they're going right. to get the views that they want. Absolutely. Yeah. And generally, the people do fine, but that is something to take note of. All right. We got the, we've got through all the implants. We understand yes. the cohesivity. What's your favorite implant? I like the Cientra HSC Plus implant. So that's a Cientra implant. HSC Plus is their higher cohesivity, but not on the order of a gummy bear type implant. Um, and the Cientra implants, and I don't have uh, my own anecdotal proof yet or evidence that this is true, but they are marketed to say that they were more resistant to flipping than some of the allergen ones. Because the allergen implants are flat on the back, the Cientra ones are a little more round. So... I don't know. Maybe that's just marketing on their part. I can't say whether that's true or not. But I like them for how they feel. I, I like using them. I think they're good implants. The problem with the Sientras is that they have a more limited range of um, sizes. So sometimes if I have patients who have, need a specific implant in a larger range, I have to use the Allergan. Um, I tend to use the Allergan more for reconstruction than the Sientra, again, because of the range issues. So I use different implants for different things. But in my cosmetic practice, I tend to use Sientra. I tend to steer more towards Allergan in my reconstructive practice. How about I, you, doctor? I also love the uh, HSC Sientras. They're really nice. Yeah. Um, I like HSC those. Plus. The Plus. Yeah, yeah, that's what we have on our consignment here. Yeah, we have a wall of Sientra consignment. We, we, you know, we should get a little photo in front of that wall, actually. <laughs> that's a great wall of silicone. That is good. Because uh, I say that. I say, we have a wall of silicone, and they're like, what does that mean? I'm like, Come see. You got to see this. It is cool. Um, but I also like, there are certain cases that I like uh, the Allergan uh, soft touch. There are mm -hmm. certain cases I like the mentor uh, extra filled high profiles. So I go, you know, I'm I'm sort of like, what do I think is going to be the best implant for this case? Right. Which brings us back to the very first question that you asked me at the start of this podcast. How do you choose an implant for your patient? Well, I look at every single variable we just talked about yep. and what that patient needs, and that kind of flow chart is kind of what we went to school for <laughs> you know i could That's try right. it and explain every single thing that i'm thinking of but it would take a whole year you know because like that that those are the nuances of what what we do 
Yep. So I mean, that's, that's why it gets a little, it's a little tricky when a patient comes and tells you the implant that they need because it's like, well, that might not be what, what might be best. I'm going to refer you to the You Don't Know <laughs> podcast on that one because we don't need to go through that again. You don't need to go through it. But again, <laughs> conversation is really important. Communication is key. Photos of what yes. you like and or yes. don't like are very, very, very helpful in terms of communicating your wishes. And then as a team, as a partnership, we can come up with the best implant for you. Correct. But we do know, like, believe it or not, we know a lot about choosing the implant for the case. <laughs> we do. Believe it or not. kind of know a little bit. We have done, I mean, between the two of us, think about how many breast implants have gone through this a practice. Lot. It's a ton. It's a lot. I mean, and that's the thing is that there's a lot of experience that goes into those choices. And it's not just, you know, I want, you know, these because I saw them that so-and-so has them. Yeah, it doesn't work it that doesn't way. It doesn't work that way because no. you don't have those breasts. You right. have You have your breasts and you have your tissue characteristics and your desires of what you want it to look like. And we know how to get there. We're the pilot. We know how to fly the plane to get to the the next place that we want to go. It can't be that you're like, and I, I swear to God, there was this one surgeon in New York when I was at Cornell, he like threw in the towel on it and he just said, I just let the girls tell me what they want. And that's what I put in. And then it's on them. And it's and you put it on them like it's their when they're not happy, it's their fault. You chose that. But I think that's BS. That's not cool. That's not how you do that. Because of course it's gonna suck. Yeah, because they, they don't know. They don't know. They don't know. <laughs> um, please listen to that podcast and you'll understand why we say that. It's not it's not that we're you know, we're not trying to be like, you know jerks. You know, jag offs about yeah. it, to use a Pittsburgh term. Um, you know, working at Jags and at, but you want to, you know, you want to understand that your surgeon really does understand, like, look at the before and afters. If you like the before and afters, then when we say, this is how we can get there, then go, that sounds great. Sounds good. Ask your questions. What about this? What about that? That's fine. But, you know, directing traffic with surgery is, is really an issue. And, and this is, this is such a artistic, you know, touchy feely kind of Literally, choice. literally yeah. touchy feel. You got to touch you got, and feel, you gotta the, feel the breast. You got to feel the implants. You got to understand the quality of the breast. I mean, yeah. there's there's so much that goes into the making this awesome, yeah. and that's why you know your results. And you know, I I want to you know I don't want to blow my own horn, but I like I like my results. That's why I do it that way. Yeah. You know, it's not I'm not putting. I up, think your results are great. I love your results. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, well, thank you. Um, but you know, shake and bake there. Then that's a. <laughs> but the the reality is is that we want it to be awesome. You know, we right. do, and we want to use our knowledge base. We want to use our our armamentarium of devices. You know, and and you have to understand that you know it's surgery. There are risks with surgery. You can't just go into this blindly. You have to understand <laughs> that there could be capsular contractures, all the complications sure, that we've talked sure. about on the complications podcast too. And I really do think you know that this is that's why this was such an important podcast for us to do is to understand that. It's not simple, and there is a discussion that needs to happen. And you know, doing your research is like ten percent of what you need to do. And then you have to come and get the exam, listen to the the options that are there, and then make choices together. Yeah, make your choice, and not to make it even more confusing for the patients. But if you were to go to the four different plastic surgeons, you'd probably get four different answers in terms of what they thought would work best for you. 100%. And that's not to mean that any of those choices are wrong right. because those are the right choices for that surgeon based on what they like, 
what their aesthetic goals are and how they like to make their breasts and what they're comfortable using and what they are used to. So it doesn't mean that one is wrong and one is right. And that is what you were saying. It goes back to find a surgeon who's befores and afters you like, who you can trust on an interpersonal level that you communicate well with. And, and then... And then sort of trust and then sort of let it go. Like, tell them what you want. Show them the photos you like. And then you kind of got to trust a little bit there. You do. You do. Because you know, you know that the, the results are very much surgeon dependent. Totally. It is. It is, it is picking an artist. You know? It totally is. And the breasts that I like to make are totally different than the breasts that the surgeon down the street likes to make, than the surgeon in New York likes to make. Yeah. We all have our idea of what we like. It's just our preference. Not to say we can't change. My patient this week, he wanted really natural breasts. Totally. Made it happen for her. But we, in general, have breasts that we make a certain way. Definitely. And if that's a look that you like, then go to that surgeon. 100%. That is how to pick. And, you you know, obviously somebody that does a fair amount of this stuff, before and afters, before and afters, I say it all the time. We yeah. say it all the time. So <laughs> it is a huge, huge, you know, way. I, I th- It's like you want to pick the artist that's going to make you what you want. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I hope that that was helpful. I seem, I think it was a lot. <laughs> you crushed um, this podcast in a doctor. short amount of time. You did. Um, oh, you well, you just you. like you were all like, over it. Like I did with Whoosh. that implant. I just like cut it. You did. And crushed was, it. You did. You, like you <laughs> nailed this one. It was good. All right. Well, in that case, this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the nine hundred two one zero. Thanks for listening to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. If you want to reach Dr. Ravello or myself, we're available for consultations. We can also be reached through the websites. Dr. Ravello, what's your website? My website is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. And the phone number to reach us here in the office is 310-954-1355. And I do want to mention Rock Spa, which is the sponsor, truly the financial backer of this podcast. And Rock Spa is the Medi Spa that's located both in Newport Beach and Beverly Hills, providing Botox, fillers, lasers, microneedling, esthetician services like hydrofacials. We have incredible people. They do great stuff. And I highly recommend taking a look at the websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. All the information is also on my website, drcalvert.com. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com podcast. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said. Done.